Welcome to the Do Life Better podcast, where we believe that you get to create who you are being and who you become. And it's often the smallest changes and actions that make the biggest difference. Each week, your host, Dave Jorner, will bring you the best guests, tips and messages to inspire and help you to do life even better. Thanks for joining us today. Now let's get started. Hi everyone, it's so good to be joining you again today and I'm really excited about this episode today because our guest has been a long time listener of the Do Life Better podcast and now has a chance to share her inspiring story with all of you and at the same time give you heaps of practical tips that you can implement immediately. So before we get into it, have you ever wanted to create a greater sense of balance in your overall well-being? but weren't sure how or what to monitor and change? Are you wanting to perform at your peak but struggle getting there consistently? Today's guest can help you. Annie Flamsteed is a young entrepreneur who's turned her experience of the ups and downs that come with being a high-performing athlete into a business designed to help young athletes perform at their peak, not just in the arena but all aspects of their life. Whether you're an athlete, business person, student, or anyone else trying to do your life even better, this chat with Annie is full of tips and strategies that will help you perform at your best. So, I hope you enjoy this chat with Annie Lamsteen. Hi Annie, thank you very much for joining us on today's episode. Hi Dave, it's lovely to be here. Yeah, and um, okay, I believe that you've been, well, not believe, I know, we're just talking <laughs> about it, that you've actually been a listener of the podcast um, yep. before we actually got into contact about you coming on for this interview today. And yeah, I'm really excited to to talk to you about the work that you're doing with young people and mm. athletes and so on. But um, yeah, it's really cool to know again that you've been listening to the podcast. Thank you for that. How did you get yeah. in contact with it? Well, I um somebody mentioned it to me because I, I drive a lot and I was just I was complaining one day having one of those like whingy moments about how I hate to drive and hate travel it's so boring yeah. and this guy was like oh Annie you just need to listen to this podcast called do life better it's so good there's short ones there's long ones it's like you can listen to a few and I was like okay yeah cool then I started listening to it and then one of my my, my software partnership company one of the people that works within that company, Sharon, has been on your podcast before. Yeah, so yeah. I was listening to it and then she was like, oh, I'm on that podcast and now I'm on this podcast. So it's just like such a small world. It's, it's amazing. That's an awesome circle then. Yeah, you know, it's for really you cool. To, yeah, for you to be able to receive some value from the listeners. And you said also you've made contact with yeah. one of the previous guests as well and then um, for you to be giving back to our listeners now. So thanks That's for really being cool. on here. No, and, no worries. It's exciting. Yeah, and um, I – I must admit, I'm quite inspired by your story mm-hmm. of being a, a young gymnast, a high-performing gymnast, yep. uh, and you know, your success is there, and then also being uh, you know, a high-level gymnast athlete during the time of social media really coming out and the pressures mm-hmm. that come in with that. Um, and so yep. you've taken that experience to start up your own business now to help mm-hmm. out with young athletes and students with their own well-being. Um, mm-hmm. Firstly, what was it like being a high-level athlete with all yep. these pressures of social media, what was that like? It was full on. Like, I guess the thing that is interesting about being a, a, like a, an elite gymnast is that you're required to be 
competitive or um, professional at such a young age. Like we're talking 14, 15 years old. You're training 30 hours a week, um, trying to do normal school, trying to have like normal friendship circles. It's almost like I, it's very similar to how my life is now running a company, but I was doing it at 14 years old and for sport, you know, like no one's paying you to do it. So I guess that already was quite a full-on experience for me and for my family as well. Um, and then social media, I guess, really started to boom at that point. So mm. you're then kind of starting to deal with I'm living this one life that's quite intense and, and quite, um, you know, structured and everyone's telling me what to do all the time and it's like full-on, like a full-time job. And then you're like, but on social media, I have to appear to be very professional and outgoing and confident and successful. So from such a young age, I think what starts to happen is young athletes start to pretend to be fine and amazing for social media and for, for any type of media when really they're just going through everything that athletes 30 or 40 years ago went through. So it kind of like you start to develop this like persona of I'm fine, I'm, I'm awesome, everything's going on, really, really great in my life. So that then when you're having bad days, it's sort of like it's not okay in your own mind to have bad days or off days. So I think it starts to develop this anxiety around performance. And that's what I, you know, like you just said, my experience as an athlete sort of pushed me to start my my business. That was really the main reason because it's like these athletes are dealing with so much at such a young age. Oh, for sure. So not only do you need to be high performing in your area of uh, of sport of um, mm. of high performance, but then also in your downtime uh, when you're just wanting to rest, when you're just wanting to switch off, there's still that pressure. If you're high performing yeah. in this area, then you must be high performing everywhere else. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And like your friends, um, you know, I guess something that we're dealing with as a young, I say when I'm talking present terms, but mm, I mean, mm. what I'm seeing young athletes deal with now and what I was dealing with is your friends who aren't training 35 hours a week, they don't understand. So they'll all be going to the movies or going to the shops and asking you, why can't you come with us? And then you're dealing with this other set of pressure of like, well, I can't come with you because I've got to train if you don't train, you, you're kind of letting yourself down. If you don't do social things, you're kind of letting them down. So from such a young age, young athletes, particularly young gymnasts, have to learn, you know, work-life balance, how to time manage, how to deal with conflict, all of this stuff that, an, that a teenager shouldn't really usually be learning to deal with just yet. So it's, it has its pros and its cons, I guess. Yeah, that's a really interesting distinction that you made just then about um, you either let yourself down Mm. or you let other people down. Yeah. And I don't know, like for you, does did one win out more so than other than the other or was it a bit of a balance? How did that how does that normally work out? I mean it's kind of like you've got three prongs, right? Because if you let if you skip training or you skimp out on that, you, you kind of feel like you're letting yourself down, but then you're also letting your coaches down. Mm. So mm. and then if you skip time with your friends, you're sort of like, well they're gonna understand more. There's less I guess negative outcomes if you can't go to the movies with your friends and there is to skipping training. Um, but I guess it's athletes are generally perfectionists. Like if you do a profile score on an athlete, they're generally very, very, you know, perfectionist, um, high achievers, very ambitious. So them, they're likely to sacrifice social life or downtime to achieve their goals or impress their coaches or, or achieve success. So I guess for me, it was always that way. Like nothing came second to training or competition. Um, and, I, and I know this sounds brutal, but now as a coach or working with young athletes, 
they're the athletes that make it, the ones that are willing to give up things. Whereas, mm-hmm. um, and I mean, you know, like I said before, it's it's similar in your career, right? You've got to have a work-life balance. But generally, the ones who become successful are those who actually figure out their work-life balance and know what they, I guess, have to prioritize over other things. Um, so exactly. yeah, work out the balance, prioritize, and then mm. disciplined. Yeah, about that yeah. as well. Um, and then. With, with all this, so you'd assume that, uh, maybe not everyone assumes, but it, it could be an assumption that athletes are quite resilient. Mm. Um, they're yeah. immune to other pressures from other people because of that determination, because of the drive, because of their willingness to get up at crazy hours every morning <laughs> and yeah. go to the pool or the gym or whatever to yeah. do their training. Because of that resilience that we think they often have in their area of sport, we often think yeah. that they're resilient in other areas of life as well. Exactly. Uh, but that may not be the case. Is that true? Absolutely. Like I think um, what happens is young athletes are generally, and this is super stereotypical, so I'm just using stereotypes here, but mm-hmm. they're generally from a very young age, the outgoing kid that wants to jump off things and wants to be first in line and wants to, like, it's, it's quite rare to find an athlete that is an introvert. They do exist and they're probably the most level-headed athletes you'll ever find because they spend time thinking and they're calm and they're able to, you know, spend time alone and calm themselves down. Naturally, though, athletes are very outgoing and and very um, seeming to be confident. So therefore what people think and what I dealt with a lot is she's outgoing, she's confident, she'll be fine. So what happens as a young athlete is generally you are fine. But as you go through adolescence and you start to, you know, deal with, going through puberty and growing up and then there's like you're introduced to boys and this prospect of a social life and all this kind of stuff, you're actually just as confused as any other teenager. But what people perceive you as is exactly what you said, being resilient, being confident, being in control. And therefore, I, I honestly feel like athletes are not not pushed to the side but sort of like, oh, they'll be fine. And what you start to do as a young athlete is go, oh, I'll be fine. So instead of sitting there and being mindful and going, actually, I'm really burnt out right now, like I'm really stressed out, I'm anxious, I'm tired. Instead of doing that, you start to go, no, I'll be fine, I'll be fine. And you just sweep it under the rug, you sweep it under the rug. So because you're doing that, your coaches start doing that, your parents start doing that. And it it comes down to the rule that I guess we're trying to solve in, in my business is what coaches and parents can't see in terms of wellness, so stress levels, anxiety levels, sleep issues, what they can't see, they can't fix. And as a young athlete, what you can't see, you can't fix. You're so focused on have I done enough, you know, reps and sets today? Did I hit training? Did I do this? Did I do that? Did I eat enough protein? You, you're never going to stop and reflect and go, actually, I feel really bad today. I feel anxious. I don't want to go to training. I just want to have a cup of tea with my mom and, and sit down and chill out. It's very rare for athletes to accept that. And, and I think as a result, it's, it's rare for their coaches or the media to accept that as well. Oh, for sure. And mm. I think there's a lot of similarities between athletes and other high performers in other areas as well. Absolutely. Just about that whole, just keep on going and I'll be fine. And I like what you just said about if you can't see it, you can't fix it. Yeah. Both for yourself and for your mm-hmm. coaches or your mentors or other people in your life. If they can't see it, if you're not being vulnerable enough to open up to let yeah. them see what's really going on, if you don't let them see it, then they can't help you fix it either. Exactly. So just that idea of personal reflection. Yeah, so yeah. And it's something that I guess I'm still having to learn. Like I retired from my sport oh, three or four years ago now. I'm still heavily involved in, in this sport as a coach. Um, 
but stopped the training. And that transition for me from athlete to adult or athlete to my career was was really interesting. And I, there were things that I just really struggled to do, like the prospect of sitting down and watching a movie for three hours in the afternoon, not a chance. Like I hadn't grown up doing that. So have, and then as, you know, as my career developed and I had pressures from uni and starting a company, sometimes you just need to sit down and chill out or you need to, you know, switch off your computer Friday at 6 p.m. and have dinner with family. And that's been something really difficult for me to grasp because as an athlete, you you just don't do that. Like you, you're at, like you said, you're in the pool at 5 a.m. You're at the gym till 8 p.m. at night. And then after that, you're at the physio or you're in an ice bath or you're doing recovery. There's always an agenda. There's always something to do. So I think you'll find, um, we're finding through the research we're doing with through my business that when athletes transition either from a high level to a lower level or from, you know, they retire, that whole prospect of balancing your life and, and, and accepting that you need time, time away and having that self-reflection is really sort of something hard for them to grasp. And I'm still trying to, I mean, part of the reason I listen to your podcast is because I'm still trying to learn how to do that. Like I'm still trying to learn how to slow down. And if I need to go for a run, I need to go for a run. If I need to read my book, I need to read my book. I remember you saying that in one of your podcasts, like it means something different to everybody, right? Downtime doesn't have to be watching a movie or or chilling out like that. It can be going for a run. But learning how to reflect enough to actually do that, that's that's really hard for young athletes to do. Really hard. And that, by the way, that feels really weird hearing you quote me back, <laughs> but thanks for that. But absolutely, just listening to your body and knowing that if I need a break, I need a break now and don't, be, yeah. it, don't feel bad about it. it self-care yeah. isn't being selfish or whatever. Like your self-care is just as important as your time yeah. in, in your business, in your study, in your training, yeah. having that, that time out is so important. Um, mm. Within your business, you have, I was noticing on your website, you have an app. A couple of apps, and yeah. a big part of that is tracking your well-being on a daily basis. Yeah. 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 So, what makes that? I'd love to hear firstly what makes it so important to track your well-being, and then what are some of the key things that we need to be tracking? Yeah. So, so we're working with when we when we developed the business, we were working with Spring Day, who I'm sure you've heard of through Sharon and everything mm-hmm. like that, and they essentially have a wellness platform and app that tracks the well-being of corporates so that their staff and the HR teams can understand what's going on within their company more so that then they can try and solve those issues. So we followed a very similar approach when, you know, when I was introduced to them, I said, young athletes need this because, like I said before, what their coaches can't see or their parents can't see, they can't fix. And, and sometimes these athletes are spending more time with their coaches than they are with their families. Like I, I spent as a teenager more time with my coaches than I did with my my siblings. Like by the time yeah. I got home from gym, they were in bed. By the time I got up to go to gym, they were still in bed. So, you know, it's a what we do with our app is we try to do two things. I guess, you know, get the young athletes to track their wellness. What that does is it gets them to think about how they're actually feeling. Like we ask them to half of them when we survey them at the start, we ask them, How did you sleep last night? About sixty or seventy percent of them say I didn't take any notice of it. So young mm. athletes who have to be so in tune with their body, I actually have no idea what's going on. They don't know. You know, they just go, oh, I'm tired. I need some pre-workout or I need a coffee or I need a sleep. But maybe what they need is some fresh air and a glass of water, you know. So we try to get them to think about the main things are stress, sleep, pain, fatigue and hydration. 
If we can get young athletes thinking about those six things rather than obsessing over how much have I trained today, what exactly have I eaten, what we start to notice is they go, I'm feeling like crap at training because I only slept for four hours last night. And then through the app, we don't just get them to track their wellness, but we actually educate them as well. So we've got about 20 different wellness programs that go for eight weeks each. And they cover things like, um, you know, being more resilient, learning to deal with pain, um, why sleep is important, why hydration is important. And it seems basic, but these athletes aren't taught that stuff. They're taught like you need 20 grams of protein after you work out. But like that, you know, that's fine. But if they're having 20 grams of protein after they work out, but they're only sleeping for three hours a night, then it's going to be pretty irrelevant to their recovery, you know? Mm. I mean, the other thing the app does is it gives an insight for the coaches and the parents into that daily wellness. So the coaches can, instead of saying to a 14-year-old girl, you seem moody and tired today, the response of that is obviously going to be, you don't understand, I'm fine. So what we do with our app is we get the athletes engaged, we get them to start saying, I haven't slept well I'm feeling tired, I'm feeling irritable, I'm feeling fatigued or whatever it may be. And then the coach can see it in their coach's dashboard. So their point of contact can now be, look, you're seeming really tired. How about we don't talk about it? How about we just cut back your numbers today? Or, or they can, you know, the sports psych can use it as a point of conversation. So I guess what we're trying to do is without sitting these athletes in a room and saying you need to talk to a therapist, we're trying to just normalize wellness for them. You know, people talk about, destigmatizing mental health. We're just trying to normalize or destigmatize health in general. We need these young athletes to start to be conscious of their well-being because if they're conscious of it, then their coaches can start to do things about it or, or we as a business can start to intervene and do things about it. So we're not just sort of tracking wellness for the sake of it. It's sort of like to give the coaches insight but also to give the athletes insight. Yes, you're feeling tired today. It's because you took your mobile phone to bed and you were on Instagram until 2 a.m. So trying mm-hmm. to teach them about that side of it. It's really, really surface level because kids are throwing so much information these days, right, about really highly technical stuff that they don't actually take time to learn about what is sleep, why is it important. So I guess that's what we're trying to do by tracking it is just make them aware of it themselves. That's so important, isn't it? One way to crack a, a bad habit, <clears throat> a poor habit, is to simply become aware of every single time you do that thing that you want to yeah. stop. And then yeah. by being aware of it, it helps you to stop it. And again, I like what you're saying about sometimes we just don't know that things that we're doing aren't helpful for us. Exactly. Things that we're doing might be taking us away from our goal instead of bringing us even closer. So to educate them in, in what are good practices and what aren't helpful and then mm. to help them be even more aware of that. Um, it makes me think of two things right now. First one is a shout out to my good mate, Ted, who is mm-hmm. a coach for triathletes in the Starfish yeah, Club, cool. Triathlete Club. And you know, I think this would be so beneficial because one of the things he talks about is um, not just coaching your athlete, like what you're saying, not just coaching yeah. them in the sport, in the technique, in their fitness, but holistically. Absolutely. Um, making sure their mind game is right, making sure their, their mental health and well-being is right, making sure their nutrition is right because you're not just teaching them how to run, for example. Yeah, you know, to, for them to run as best as possible, they need to have everything else in balance. Like what you're saying is fantastic. Exactly. We talk about like coaches of young athletes, particularly competitive athletes, and I'm sure Ted, it's a triathlete. You can't be a triathlete without being competitive. Mm. Like you just can't, right? They're the most amazing athletes. So, what we talk about when we when we're pitching or when we're talking to a potential, you know, person that may use our system for their athletes, we say. 
you're actually a life coach to this athlete. Like when I think about, when I think back to my adolescent years, things that I use within my business practice now, my level six gymnastics coach taught me, you know, like it's about, and if you are a coach and you're only good at technical, that will only go so far. It's very easy to teach technique to a talented athlete. And generally at that level, you're dealing with talented athletes. Mm. What's really difficult is to teach some resilience and life skills and recovery tactics because then when you get the athlete to a 6 a.m. session, you can actually do something with them. Like there were days I'd rock up to training and I would just be like glazed over like a zombie, hadn't eaten, hadn't slept very well, had all this stuff going through my head about about sport or school and my coach would say, are you all right? And I'd be like, yep, of course I am. It's very difficult for these athletes to open up unless they feel as though they absolutely can. So we talk about our system and our programs preparing athletes for the world stage. We're not trying to cure their problems or, or you know, make them Olympians, but if you give them education, if you support them and if you, you know, it's a bit corny, but if you inspire them, then what actually happens is you can do as a coach a lot more with them. And, you know, coaches have a lot on their plate. Um, and if Ted's listening, I'm sure he's sitting there going, mm. oh, my gosh, yeah, like all this stuff I want to do with my athletes, but I've got to figure out their, you know, are we doing their gait training right? Is their, are they, is their bike the right size? Are they swimming at the right speed per, per, per kilometre? So what we're trying to do is try and take that load off the coaches and say, well, let's create their 12-month wellness journey together. Let's structure it so that eight weeks out from competition, they do a pre-comp anxiety wellness program, which makes them aware of that stuff. So we work with the coaches to try and design this, I guess, like extracurricular program of working on their emotional stability, their mental health, their physical well-being. Then the coach's job becomes a whole lot easier because they've got these highly engaged athletes who are less burnt out, who don't want to quit their sport. If they lose, they're resilient. If they win, they're humble and they're able to be focused on celebrating that as opposed to, I don't know, I just think a, st- a statistic that's that's really interesting, gymnastics obviously I, I work in a lot. We've got in Queensland 50 or 60,000 registered gymnasts. So wow. that's 60,000 athletes paying for gymnastics in Queensland. We've got about, what did we have? Two of them competed at the Commonwealth Games who were from Queensland. Hmm. So... We've got some issues there around all of these kids coming through. We, we notice dropout at about 12 or 14 years old. And, and what we're trying to do with Inspire is how can we mitigate that? Like how can we keep kids in sport longer? Because if we keep kids in sport longer, when they become adults, they want to be active. And we're sort of trying to, to get more people active through competitive sport. And I, and I think it's a really good way to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, with what you're saying before about if they lose a resilient if they mm. win, they're humble and they keep moving mm. forward. And it reminded me of a conversation I had just a couple of weeks ago with a, a young athlete who's on the national stage at the moment um, mm-hmm. competing at that level. And this student was telling me that when they win, mm-hmm. they enjoy the moment briefly, but then they get really anxious and nervous about the next mm-hmm. race coming up. So they, they haven't learned or been given the tools and the strategies to actually be able to embrace that moment and embrace the celebration and then oh, use absolutely. that for their next race instead of pushing that aside and now get anxious and nervous. So the work you're doing, I think, is so important. And it's yeah. for me, it's not just with athletes. For me, it's with students in general. It's with business mm-hmm. people. It's in so many different areas. And you know, anyone who has a mentor, 
or a life coach or, um, uh, yeah, someone who's helping them on their journey. I think a lot of what you're saying is so relevant. Uh, So with that, the work that you are doing um, with yourself and also with the athletes, Mm. in terms of everyday life, yeah. How? What? What are some of the biggest areas of the work that you're doing that influences um, well-being in everyday life as well? Mm. So I guess what we it's it's really interesting you say that because we've just when we started when I started the business it mm. was to work with school students and mm. it sort of morphed into because my my whole motto was why are we working with fat forty year olds when like I was studying ex phys at the time. Mm-hmm. I was like, why are we working with these you know, 40, 50, 60-year-olds? They've already got bad habits. Like, there's, And there's also a lot of people working in that space. We need to peel it back and take the athlete approach. Like in gymnastics, we pick competitive gymnasts at four years old. Like we choose them when they can barely, wow. they're barely at school. So we start to talent, identificate, talent ID them sorry, earlier. And I was like, we should be doing this with health. We should be starting earlier. We should be looking at kids and going, We've got such an opportunity here to develop their well-being skills for the rest of their life. Mm. Now, whether they go on and, and compete on the world stage is almost irrelevant because they need to, regardless, know how to deal with bullying. They know how to. They need to know how to deal with exam pressures and time management. When they leave home, they need to know how to cook a healthy dinner so they're not getting Uber Eats all the time. You know, they, these kids, whether they're athletes or not, need to have these skills and. We've been um, doing a, a raising some funds at the moment for the company, and the more that I pitch it, the more people say, "You could replicate this for corporates. You could replicate this for law students. You could replicate this for med students." Because all these people need these skill sets in their everyday life. So, mm. to answer your question, how it sort of crosses over, I guess how we write the content is we we look at how what skills these kids are going to need. If they were out in their own world, on their own, without mum and dad, you know, having to fend for themselves and live, how can we give them the skills to deal with heartache? You know, they're all going to have a broken heart at some point, whether that's in sport or relationships, they're going to have to deal with it. How can we teach them to deal with that? When it comes to nutrition, you know, mum's not always going to be there for them, cooking them a healthy pasta with vegetables in it. They probably don't even know she's doing that. They just Mm. eat whatever's in front of them. So how can we give them those skills so that when – they're traveling the world on a business trip, they know how to make healthy food choices so they can perform well. So I guess there's a lot of crossovers. Like we really try to write the content as if every athlete we work with isn't going to make it to the world stage where they're paid to be an athlete because the the ratios of that are, are, are quite small. So we want them to, you know, if they don't make it and they retire, we want them to have a really great experience in their sport. And and I guess be doing what I'm doing now and and working with young athletes and trying to put their skills back into their sport as opposed to leaving the sport and never going back to it again. So, I mean, if you talk to professional athletes, they'll say there's the 50-50 chance that when you stop sport, you'll become this really highly motivated, successful, health-driven person Mm -hmm. or you'll go the other way and you'll become a couch potato, lets himself go and gets really unmotivated. And there's a lot of research around this at the moment as to why that happens and what it always comes back to is they're not skilled or they're not equipped to deal with life outside of sport. So I guess that's, you know, in a long story short, to answer your question, I would say everything that we're doing with these young kids transitions into their everyday life. And if we had the opportunity to work with athletes and non-athletes every day, that would just be 
you know, that would be incredible because I think it's a generational thing. We need to start working with the next generation to be healthier because if we just keep working with our generation or the one above us, then nothing's really going to change long term. Mm, like mm. you've got you've got young boys, hey. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it, as you as a parent, you I'm sure you can understand that, you know, giving them the skills now to to live healthy lives and understand what's right and wrong and how to be good and how to be true. I always hear my mum saying to us, like when, when I was growing up, that was their their sole focus. How can we make sure that you grow up with the skills you need to have a good, fulfilling life? And I think that's what we're trying to do from a health perspective with Inspire is what do we need to give these kids so that when they're 22, they know what they should be doing to, to be healthy. Mm, that's so good. And what you are saying before about athletes, you know, when they end their professional career, 50% of mm. them go on to live good, healthy lives and the other 50% end up being couch potatoes. That was me after school. Yeah. So I wonder if the same thing happens. Like at school, you get looked after so much by the teachers. They make sure they get your draft in on time and everything else. But then when I left school, I became the couch potato style of yep. instead of being <laughs> the athlete, the couch potato post-school student who yeah, yeah. was highly unmotivated and, and needed that extra structure around me to keep me going, yeah. which I didn't have. So I actually struggled a lot throughout uni. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's so beneficial whether it be sports or, or school students or uni or wherever. So, yeah. um, so many options for this. Um, yeah. If there were three key things to put mm. you on the spot, if there were, yeah. if you had to pick mm. out of all the different well-being things that anyone can do, athlete, business person, student, three yeah. things to monitor on a daily basis. I know you mentioned some before. Yeah. What might three be? Honestly, the first one would be slow, like the speed that you're doing things. So I just call it my slow scale. We don't track this in the app, but I, whenever I'm working with young people, I tell them to, to look at their slow scale. Absolutely, hands down, would be my number one. Like I, I tend to go a thousand miles through life, and I think we all do. Like I'm here right now at All Star Gymnastics, which is my mum's gymnastics club, mm-hmm. and there are parents out there with little two and three year olds. Um, and you just see them; they're on their Bluetooth, their kids doing gymnastics, they're having a coffee. They're like life these days tells us that we have to do everything at once, and I think that's that is true. And there's um, you know, some days you just have to bite the bullet and go. I have to eat my breakfast in the car and drop my kids to school. Some days you have to do that. But the first thing to monitor would be if that's what you're doing all the time, you need to slow down mm. and you're going to burn out. You, you know, adrenal fatigue is, is a real thing, whether people want to accept it or not. It's, it is a real thing. So I think the slow scale is, is the best thing. I mean, you don't want to work at a turtle's pace, yep. but being able to go, have I taken five minutes to call my grandma today or call my wife today or my husband today or my grandma today? Slow down enough to acknowledge what's going on. So that's the first one, I guess, is the slow slow scale. I mean, I call it slow scale because it's more positive than speed scale because you should kind of <laughs> slow down a bit. Nice. Um, the second one, I think, is absolutely your sleep. Um, like I know you've, you speak about sleep a lot um, mm. as, you know, as medicine and none of us really monitor our sleep. I mean, I'm not talking you have to have this special watch that tells you when you woke up and and what your breathing was, but just what time are you getting in bed and what time are you waking up and how is that affecting how you feel? So it might be different. Like some weeks I'm really relaxed, I need less sleep. Some weeks I'm really stressed, I need more sleep. But just monitoring what you as a person need in terms of sleep and once you know that, then making sure you're getting that. Like I know that I need seven hours sleep. If I don't get that, I'm like a zombie. Mm. Whereas my dad, 
he travels every week. He's in a new country. So five hours sleep for him is plenty. He's just accustomed to that now. So I think, yeah, so slow scale and then sleep. And then the third one would, I guess it would just be about time, like making time for the things you actually love or the things you value. Like, you know, we get into these careers or we get into these flurries of work and yes, you're working towards your goal, but are you working within your values? Like every day I look at my values or I change them. Sometimes they change depending on what's going on with my life at the time. But living your days according to what you value is so important. Like one of my values is success in my career. So obviously there's going to be times I'm busy, but it's also spending time with my family and friends. So try to make sure that every day you're actually sticking to those values. There are three things that you can monitor without an app. You don't need an app. You don't need software to tell you to to monitor those three things. Um, You can do it yourself. It takes you five minutes, you know, like you said, on, on, on your way to, on your way to, um, Meetings sometimes you listen to a podcast or you're mindful and that's when you squeeze it in. But it's just about, I guess, yeah, finding, making sure that you can monitor those things without technology. If you can do that and then you can make those changes, I think that's that's what I try to do anyway because it can get confusing, right, trying to track what you're eating, oh, yeah. what you're yeah. drinking, how many times you spent breathing today. Like it's crazy. So just slow scale, sleep and values. You don't need a rocket scientist to teach you how to do that, I don't think. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you. And that, that's mm. so easy to um, for the listeners out there to take on board and mm. to listen. So thank you. So the slow scale, the sleep, and um, valued action, making yeah. time for, for what you value in your life. That's mm. awesome. Thank you. Um, what are you working on now that's exciting for you? What am I working on that's exciting? So right now we're working on refining our – programs specific to young gymnasts divers and cheerleaders specifically those three sports but what's really exciting for me is that we've just branched into a whole heap of other sports like water polo and triathlon and football what is really exciting is that in august we're going to be going over to the usa to put some australian technology into the u.s sports market so for me that's really exciting because i think we're going to be dealing with a whole new series of of good things and bad things going to the States. They've got a whole new culture about sport over there. So I think working on on researching that right now, what those athletes are going to need, I, I just love figuring out what young people need because then we as older people, we can give them those things. So I think, you know, obviously there's all exciting things like we're launching here, we're doing this, we're doing that. But But to be really honest, just figuring out what young athletes need so that as a company and as a person we can deliver that that's probably the most exciting thing for me right now. That's huge. Good on you. Mm. They're really keen to see how that works out for you. Yeah. Um, before our final two questions, yeah. is there anything I haven't asked you that would be really helpful for our listeners? No, I don't think so. I mean, the only thing that I, I, I like to share every time I do an interview or something is this rule of splitting a page into four boxes mm-hmm. and I, I know you probably is if I'm stepping on your toes for the next two questions, but I'm just <laughs> going to tell you now. We can <laughs> go for it. This might so, be the challenge. Yeah, is that what you're saying? Yeah, actually, let's use this as a challenge. So sure. no, let's cut this bit out. So no, <laughs> no, Dave, you've answered. I think you've asked me every question. <laughs> <laughs> nice one. Good. Okay, so um, we'll leave that for the challenge. That sounds good. So um, again, before the final two, if our listeners would like to get in contact with you. Yeah. How, what would be the best way for them to do that? 
I think the best way for them would be social media or email. So um, I'll send you the links, but uh, do you want me to mention them as Please, well? Okay. Yes. So the, my Instagram is just inspiresport.aus. So the word inspire, the word sport.aus for Australia. Um, and our website is just inspiresportaustralia.com. And on there, they'll be able to just find my email address on there. But Social media as a millennial is probably the best one to catch me on. <laughs> Excellent. So, again, we'll have those in the show notes. Yeah, yeah. Well. So, uh, being the Do Life Better podcast, mm-hmm. as you know, I like to ask all of the guests what the idea of Do Life Better means to them. Uh, mm-hmm. So, Do Life Better, what's that mean to you? Do Life Better means my, my grandfather, who actually passed away last year, had this great quote, and it was just, be good and be true. And as a kid, I never understood it. I was like, yeah, I'll be good and eat my veggies or I'll be good and sit at the table. You know, I never really understood what it meant. And then as I sort of got older and spent a lot more time with him, and he was a businessman, um, so I used to talk to him a lot about my business. And it was really interesting. He would always just come back to be good and be true. And now I think doing life better to me means doing that. And you can, you can put that into any aspect of your life, right, relationships. You should be good to your partner and you should be true. In your career, you should be good at what you're asked to do. If your boss has asked you to do something, do it well. And, but be truthful as well. Tell him how you're feeling and what's going on. And then you can relate it to well-being, right? Be good to yourself. Get some sleep. Eat healthy food. Exercise regularly. But be true as well and, and start to understand what you need to be healthy to, or to feel good. So I think doing life better for me, means to try to be good or be better, or as a four-year-old I used to say, to be gooder um, <laughs> and, and, and to be truer or to be more honest because if you're honest to, to other people, they can help you, and if you're honest to yourself, you can help, help yourself. And, I mean, if you're good at what you do and you're good to other people, then generally good things are going to start to happen for you as well. So I think to be really simple, that's what it means to me. Awesome. I love that. Thank you. Mm. So that final question then, which we nearly got into earlier, and that's okay. So <laughs> your challenge for the week in terms of uh, overall well-being, yeah. what would be the one challenge you'd like to give our listeners for this week? So I have this thing that I do every day. Well, I try and do it every day. So that's why it's a challenge because it's hard to remember sometimes is what I call the four boxes of success, right? Mm-hmm. Split your You get a piece of paper, you draw one line down the middle and a a line across horizontally. And in those four boxes, you write the four things that you value in your life. So for me, it's my family and friends or relationships. The second one is education because I I just know that I'm so young still. I have so much to learn. Um, The third one is my career, so my business or my job at the time. And then the fourth one is my health. So I, I go one, two, three, four. And then within that box, you write three things that you're going to do that day in all those four things. And that's your to-do list for the day. That's all you're allowed to do. Three things from each thing that you value. Because I'm sure a lot of listeners, I mean, generally, if you listen to podcasts, you're into self-help and and helping yourself be better. I mean, Do Life Better is a perfect example. I guess what I do and what I'm sure we're all guilty of is a to-do list with 100 things on it that I never get done, that then I go to bed feeling bad about and then I don't sleep and then I wake up feeling stressed and it's just this cycle. So having four boxes with three things in each, like sometimes it's call your dad, call your grandma, call your boyfriend. It's something very simple, you know, 
put it on to-do list, cross it off when you've done it. And if you have extra time, then you can work on, on other things. Like I have an ideas register of all my other things I want to try and do that week. And so if I finish those three things in each box, then I'm like, awesome. I can either relax for the day or I can do something else if I've got more time. But what it does is it just, it challenges you to be lean with what you're allowing yourself to do. And it, it makes you be your own, actually be your own boss. You wouldn't give a staff member 10,000 things to do and then be cross at them if they, if they didn't get it done. And then the only other thing that I do on that page is I write, would I say this to my friend? So with that comes any thought that I have about not getting it done or that was bad or I let that down or I let myself down, would I say that to my friend? And if I wouldn't say it to my friend, then you, then I shouldn't be saying it to myself. So that's the challenge, I guess. Split your page into four, figure out what, what it is you value and limit yourself to three things that you're going to try and get done and make sure that anything you say to yourself, you would you would say to other people. That's so cool. I'm going to use that. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Annie. And we'll put that in the show notes as well. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. A, a great way to keep you focused. Yeah. To take the valued action each and yeah. every day. That's awesome, Annie. Thank you. I can't take credit for it because my mentor, Paul Wyatt, shared that with me about a year ago. So he's probably listening and it's just been the best thing ever. Awesome. Well, Paul, thank yeah. you for inspiring <laughs> me as well through Annie for this one. I'm going I'm to use it. It'll be awesome. So yeah. thank you. Thanks, Paul. Um, and Annie, so with that, thank you very much for your time today on no, this podcast thank and thank you for your drive for the energy yeah. that you have and the enthusiasm you have to help young athletes to help mm -hmm. young people and, and i like how you kept coming back to it's not about whether or not they make it to the olympics mm. it's about just helping them be the very best that they can be here and now regardless of the outcome so for you know to allow them to be the very best athlete they can be while they are being an athlete and then also yeah. to set them up for afterwards so exactly, yeah. you know, thank you for um, you know, the difference that you're making to a lot of young people out there. You know, you feel yeah. this um, inspiration yourself to do something about it, but you're taking that massive jump and that risk to go out there and make it happen. So, um, and all the very best for those big projects you've got coming up too. Thank and you know, I can't wait to see how that works out for you. So, yeah, thanks, Dave. I'll keep. I'll definitely keep you in the loop. Sounds great, Annie. Thank you very much for being with us today. Thank you. Okay. See ya. So there you have it. I hope you found this chat with Annie really beneficial for you. And please do remember her challenge, which will help you take valued action each and every single day. So please, again, remember to subscribe, leave a rating and a review. You can follow me on Instagram at Dave Jorna, that's D-A-V-E-J-O-R-N-A -E on Instagram or at the Do Life Better podcast. That's at Do Life Better podcast on Instagram as well. You can also contact me at Dave at projecthatch.com.au. That's Dave at projecthatch.com.au. If you'd like to book me to come and speak at your school or business or at wherever. So again, please do remember to hit subscribe, leave a rating and a review, and I can't wait to join you again next time.